Today we continue our series of sermons entitled, If You Love Me, based upon Jesus' words in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus tells his disciples, and therefore, by extension, he tells us that if we love him, we will keep his commands and we will obey his teaching. In this sermon series, I've been looking at, and will continue to look at exactly what are those commands and teachings? What is it that Jesus told us to do if we loved him? And today we want to consider the theme, if you love me, be thankful. I confess to you that up front that I'm cheating a little bit today in that I'm using two scripture verses which are not actually the direct words of Jesus, but rather are the words of Paul. But I think this fits our theme for two reasons. One, because Jesus, as we'll see when I get into this, Jesus modeled so well for us what it means to be thankful in how he prayed to the Father. And it was Jesus, according to Paul himself, who taught Paul the gospel message that he shares with us. So in a very real way, the, the words we hear from Paul are the words of Jesus. So I want to begin by reading first from the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 6 and 7, and then from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, which you may follow along with me on the Jumbotron screens. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That from Philippians 4. And now 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. As I just said, Jesus modeled just exactly this kind of thankfulness for us in several places in the gospel. In fact, Jesus is our very best example of what it means for us to be grateful. Jesus gave thanks to the Father in Matthew 15 for the food that God had provided right before he multiplied the loaves and the fishes and fed the 4,000. He gave thanks for answered prayer in John 11 at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, specifically saying at that time that he was praying this prayer of thanksgiving for the benefit of the people who were listening and who could hear him thanking the Father for his gifts. But it would seem fairly straightforward to be thankful to God, the Father, for his provision of food and for answering prayers and for other positive things. But what about thanking God when things are not going so well? What about giving thanks in all circumstances, as Paul says, even when you are in the midst of pain and of grief and of tribulation? A recent article by Steve McSwain, who is a Christian consultant and author in the Huffington Post, was entitled, Give Thanks in All Things? All things? Are you kidding? Right? And that article starts out like this. St. Paul said, in everything give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Yeah, right. Who does that? Give thanks for everything? Really? You've got to be kidding, Paul. Not one of your more inspiring moments, if you ask me. For pleasures? Well, of course. For friends and family and good times? Yes, yes. Of course I give thanks for all those things and lots more. That I have a job in my health? Yes. That the children seem to be doing well and the grandchildren are healthy and happy? Yes and yes. For all of this I give thanks. 
How could I not? But give thanks for everything? Come on. How, who does that? Who gives thanks for pain, for disappointments? The article goes on, and some of what Steve McSwain shares will be part of what I will share, but I really appreciate the honesty with which he begins that article. Well, Jesus modeled for us the various kinds of thankfulness I've already mentioned, but it's also true that Jesus modeled for us to give thanks even in difficult things. Sometimes I think the devil. Beelzebub is the Lord of the Flies, right? (laughs) At the Last Supper, with full awareness of what was about to happen to him, that he would be betrayed and deserted by his friends, that he would be beaten and crucified and die a horrible death, at exactly that time, Jesus still gave thanks for the bread and for the wine in the Last Supper, which represented his broken body and his spilt blood as he was preparing himself to willingly go to the pain and the rejection of Calvary. And there are many other stories of Christian men and women down through the centuries who have learned what it means to live a life of thankfulness even in the midst of their trials. I'm sure you've heard of Corrie Ten Boom, the great Dutch sister in the Lord whose family was sent to the concentration camps in the Second World War by the Nazis, for trying to protect Jews. Well, Cory Ten Boom and her sister Betsy, her older sister, were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, and when they arrived at their assigned barracks, barracks number eight, they discovered that it was crawling with fleas, something that apparently was almost more than the young Cory could take. In her book, The Hiding Place, she shares the point at which she discovered those fleas and how she struggled with that and particularly how they looked back to this passage in 1 Corinthians. I want to read to you a short passage from The Hiding Place, where they discover the fleas. After feeling the bites, Corey Ten Boom says, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us. Show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly that it took a second for me to realize that she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer before we ask, as he has always does. In the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, and then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I said. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly for Ravensbrook concentration camp. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. And so Corey and Betsy Tinboom started to thank God for Ravensbrook concentration camp and for barracks number eight and for the fact that they had been sent there and for the crowding, and for the fact that they still had their Bible, and even they gave thanks for the fleas. 
Though Corey admits that giving thanks for the fleas was very hard for her. Corey and Betsy continue to read their Bible and they continue to have their little worship services there in the barracks at Ravensbrook. And they wondered why the guards never interfered, why they never discovered that they had a Bible or that they were worshiping God there in that place. Until one day Betsy realized the reason they were left alone to take comfort in God's scripture and to take comfort in worshiping together was because the guards would not come into the barracks because of the fleas. And it was at that point that they understood why God had called them to give thanks even for that terrible thing of the crawling of the fleas. Give thanks to God in all circumstance. Another story was shared by a minister named Jack Hinton from North Carolina, a Baptist minister. He told the story of a mission trip that he and his ministry team took to the island of Tobago. And while there, they had a service in a leper colony. During that service, Pastor Hinton records that one woman kept her face turned away throughout the whole service until almost the very end. When she turned back to face Pastor Hinton and he describes her as having the most disfigured face he could ever have imagined. She quite literally had no nose and no ears. But as she faced him for the first time, she raised her finger and she quietly asked if perhaps they could sing Count Your Many Blessings. Pastor Hinton was so moved by that that he had to leave the service for a short time. And one of his ministry team followed him and said, I suppose you will never be able to sing that song again. And he said, yes, I will sing it, but it will never mean the same thing to me again. Count your many blessings. Well, those are all stories about someplace else and other people. As moving as they are. Well, I want to share with you something very personal, a little closer to home. A recent, recent personal experience that was very painful for me. A couple of weeks ago, I had a friend, a person I trusted and to whom I always tried to be gracious, asked me to go to lunch. I, of course, accepted, and at that lunch, my friend gave me a brief statement about how the people in our church admire and appreciate me, and then he launched into an hour and a half of telling me pretty much everything I do as a pastor here is wrong. That my leadership, my management style, my relational abilities, how I lead worship, how I pray, and most especially how I preach was completely wrong. In fact, he especially emphasized my complete inability to preach. And he said, I quote, that I don't have even the slightest idea of what a sermon is supposed to be. In the course of those 90 minutes, my friend never once asked me a question. He never asked me what I thought or how I felt or if I agreed with the assessment or if there might be some other side to the things or if I had anything at all to say in response. Suffice to, suffice it to say, such criticism coming very unexpectedly and quite vehemently from someone I trusted who was a friend without any real aspect of affirmation apart from that short, like, four-second statement that the church appreciated me and without any real constructive suggestions. It was very painful to me. I confess to you it felt like a betrayal. And I have been struggling for almost two weeks now to come to terms with the pain that I feel for all that was said and to try to overcome the great pain that that caused me. Now, I do not tell you this story so that you will feel sorry for me, and I most certainly do not tell you this story so that you will be angry at the person who said that to me. 
I am not angry with my friend. I have already spoken to him and I've told him that I don't agree with his assessment. But and I don't find wisdom or or mature judgment in his words, but that I forgive him. And I do forgive him, and we will move on. No, I tell you this because it fits in the topic of today's sermon, that we are to be thankful in all things, even in great emotional pain. And it really was quite significant emotional pain for me, as those of you who are close to me know. As Paul tells us in Philippians, it is exactly in the situations that would make us most anxious that we are to give thanks to God and that we are not to be anxious for things. And that in 1 Thessalonians, he says we are to give thanks in all circumstances, even circumstances where we feel great pain. Now, make no mistake, that's hard. But that's what we are called to do. That's what I am called to do. Even in the midst of pain and stress, and quite honestly, a feeling of betrayal. As I grow in my faith, I am able to do that more. And I pray God that he would give me more maturity and more grace to be able to forgive and to move on and to always, especially, give thanks for all that God puts in my life. And God does give us grace to pass through those things. In my case, there are several things I found myself giving thanks for in that situation. I give thanks because I'm reminded that humility is a Christian virtue. In fact, it is one of the cardinal virtues of Christianity, and it is one of the rarest these days. After all, it is the opposite of pride, which is the mother of all sin. And my friend helped me to be more humble, and for that I am thankful. Although I've always said my wonderful wife Carolyn was given to me by God in order to help keep me humble, and she takes her job very seriously. I am also thankful that this experience forced me to look hard at what I do and why I do it. To confess again to God and to those I'm close to for the things I fail at, for the things I am simply not good at or gifted in, but also to rejoice for the things God has gifted me in and the things God has called me to in this ministry because I believe he has called us to this ministry. And I believe while there are many things, and I confess those things, that I'm not good at, not gifted at, not able to do, and I'm certainly not the best preacher, but I think I'm a preacher, no matter what someone else might think. Again, I am thankful to God that he used this situation, this difficult event, to help me evaluate again not only what I do, but why I do it. It is not for the praise of men and women, although that's always nice. But it is an obedience to God in what I believe he has called me here for. Even when it becomes hard, I and all of us are called to be obedient. In fact, Mother Teresa famously said, we are not called to be successful, we are called to be obedient. And if we are obedient with the sure knowledge that we are not perfect and we're not always going to get it right, perhaps sometimes, even when we're not very good at what God has called us to do, if we give it our best, if we give it our whole hearts, if we desire above all else to please God, then God will be honored by that and he will bless those efforts, however limited we are. And this event has most especially made me thankful that God has given people around me and Carolyn who have shown such great love for us. 
When I shared some of this struggle with close friends and especially with the elders in our session in a meeting just yesterday, they loved me and affirmed me and showed me in the purest and most powerful way you can imagine that I and we really do have family here at Lakeside. It's not just a saying. And I... I love those people, and I would give my life for them at any moment, and I thank them. That's my recent struggle, and I share with you as transparently as I can, but I also realize that some of you may be having, or perhaps will have, your own struggles that are even more traumatic and even more difficult than this. Circumstances in which you may find it quite literally impossible to be thankful to God the loss of someone that you love dearly, the betrayal of a broken marriage or some other close relationship, the rejection by a family member, the gnawing pain of an addiction that you cannot get out from under. What are you to do if you find yourself simply not able to give thanks to God for some especially painful event or circumstance in your life? If you were here last week, you'll remember that when we talked about generosity of spirit, we looked at Luke 6, in the sixth chapter of Luke, Jesus has some of the hardest sayings for us. He says to us there, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Hard things. But then right below that in the same chapter, Jesus goes on and he says, do not judge, do not condemn, forgive and give. As I said last week, if you find yourself unable to do those very difficult things, <clears throat> like loving your enemy or blessing those who curse you or praying for those who mistreat you, then start small, or at least smaller. Start to develop your generosity of spirit by not judging, not condemning, by forgiving and giving. And ask God to allow you to grow to the point where you can do the more difficult thing of even turning the other cheek for someone who strikes you. That same principle applies here in our message today. If you find yourself simply unable to thank God for a great pain or a great trial or a great grief, then start smaller. Find something you can thank Him for in the midst of your pain. You will notice in our two verses today, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it does not actually say to thank God for all circumstances, but rather to thank God in all circumstances. There are other verses which do suggest we should thank God for the things that we are struggling with. But here I think Paul gives us permission that when we are unable to thank God for the pain we feel or the thing that is causing that pain, we can still thank God for his many other blessings. We can thank him in our circumstance, even if we can't yet thank him for our circumstance. One of my great heroes, G.K. Chesterton, was known as a person who lived his whole life in gratitude to God for everything around him. And he once wrote this, You say grace before meals. All right. I say grace before the concert and the opera, and grace before the play and the pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Gilbert Chesterton knew how to give thanks for all things at all times. He never forgot that anything that we have in our lives that is a gift and a blessing and a joy is from God. 
So when you find yourself in the great pain or great sorrow that life brings to you, God does not want you to deny how you're feeling. God does not want you to put on a false smile or pretend that you are something you're not or that you feel something you don't. God does not want you to give thanks for something you simply cannot be grateful for, not just mouth the words. But even in the midst of truly great pain, we can still give thanks to God as Chesterton did for God's many gifts and blessings, large and small. In addition to his small blessings, we can thank God that he is here to sustain us through all of our difficult times. We can thank him that he truly loves us and he has proven that beyond anything we can understand. That his greatest love for us, as he showed us in his son Jesus, was at the very times of our greatest need. And we can thank God that he can redeem all things, no matter how difficult it is for us to believe that. That God is always in control, that he can bring good out of any circumstance in ways we can't imagine, even the worst of times, the worst of events. And we can especially thank God that by sending his son Jesus to die for us, to suffer great pain for us, He has assured us that his love will extend to all eternity and that if we will only accept his offer, he will one day invite us into the place where God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes and where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, according to Revelation 21. And for that, no matter what our circumstance, we can be truly grateful. Amen.